This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 89. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. You know, I don't do this enough, and that is thank you for being here, and thank you for listening. You're the ones that keep this thing going around, and it's really an honor for me every single week to get to serve you, to uh, help you become a better jazz musician, because that's honestly what I'm passionate about. That's uh, I love this music, and I love teaching it to other people, and uh, I, I'm just so honored to have an international audience listening. Uh, listening to this every single week and visiting the blog every single week. So I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. Now, today's episode, I'm very excited because I have a special guest on the show, and that is drummer and composer Dorota Piotrowska. She's from Poland, and she was actually one of my former roommates in college, and she is awesome. I mean, she is a powerhouse musician, and today I'm having her on because she is really an expert when it comes to rhythm. And so today's episode is all about developing time feel and upping your rhythm game. Now, this is something that a lot of people aren't asking me questions about. I get emails every single week. I get comments on blog posts. Uh, I get questions on the LGS podcast hotline. Everybody's asking about things like scales and harmony and all this great stuff that's really important, but they're not asking about time and time feel and rhythm, which are are the most important aspects of becoming a better improviser, of really locking in your musicianship. So I want you to pay special attention to today's episode, and I've got an expert on to do all this. So without further ado, let's get on Dorota Piotrowska. All right, and welcoming on the show today is jazz drummer Dorota Piotrowska, also my former roommate in college. Welcome to the show, Dorota. Welcome, everyone. Uh, thanks for being here. And, uh, you know, a lot of my audience probably uh, doesn't know who you are. So it would be awesome if you could just give us the two-minute Dorota Piotrowska bio, what you, uh, what you do, who you are, what you're all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I come from Poland, and um, I'm a jazz drummer and composer. Um, I began my, you know, first uh, steps in, in Poland, you know, drumming there. Then I moved to the Netherlands, and I, I spent two and a half years there, kind of at different schools in uh, Amsterdam and Groningen. And from there, I moved to the new school. So I transferred and I graduated in 2012 
And since I've been traveling, touring with different bands, my own groups included, you know, um, and different other projects such as Sisters and Jazz, a very interesting one. And I also founded my own uh, jazz workshop called New York Jazz Masters that's taking place in Poland in Lower Silesia region. That's so awesome. I'm actually really excited. We're going to talk about that later because it's actually a really cool project you're doing. And you mentioned that you went to the New School. And just so everybody who is not familiar with the New School who's listening, that's uh, the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in New York City, right? That's what you're talking about? Yes, absolutely. That's the one. (laughs) Awesome. Killer school. And yeah, uh, like I said, me and Dorota, we were, she was one of my roommates. And so, you know, we got to play a lot together. I mean, Dorota's like an insane, awesome drummer. And that's why I'm so <laughs> excited to have you here just to talk. And it's been like a lot, honestly, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. So I'm super excited. So uh, just to dig in a little bit further about you, because, you know, my audience, they just want to know, they want to know, how did you get to this point in your musicianship where you are today? Like, how did you uh, reach this level. And I'm also <laughs> excited to find out too. So uh, let's just start with, tell me about how you got started playing music. Like, was it something uh, that you, you got from your family or like, what was that moment where you like jumped into music and, and started getting into it? Well, that started when I was a tiny uh, little girl and uh, I used to go to my neighbor's house. I think I was maybe like five years old and whenever my parents couldn't find me, that would mean I was at my, you know, neighbor's house banging on the piano because I like <laughs> the song so much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's where it started. But um, so then I played classical piano for seven years, and when I was in high school, uh, just accidentally, a friend of mine, you know, gave me sticks because the drummer wasn't there, and he said, "Okay, so why don't you just play the drums?" So I was, you know laughing and thinking oh okay it's you know just for fun so I sat at the drums and and I you know I never stopped since it was sort of uh, a a very revealing experience I don't know what you know turned me on later on to treat it more uh, in a kind of professional way Uh, but in the beginning I think it was a sort of uh, a freeing experience in a sense that classical music which I studied as a pianist was very rigorous you had to read notes and you had to follow and you know you you cannot really invent stuff on your own and then when I sat at the drums and I realized oh okay so I can actually do this and I can do that and you know my first experiences were more with rock and reggae music uh, I discovered jazz a little later on, and I think discovering jazz was really what made me think of of drums as something I could do in life. Like, you know, wow. it as a serious career, because rock or reggae music, I feel like I still sort of keep you in a certain space. And with jazz, you 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 are free to express your spirit in some type of way like that's at least how I think of it and and that's what made me go for it and and then specifically one uh, summer in Paris I remember I was playing with a Cuban band back then uh, in Poland and I was walking through the streets and you know uh, right before then we were touring a little bit and I was listening to the Cuban music and then I thought man, this is so amazing. Like, why I am not doing music, you know, as a career? Like, why wouldn't I do this all my life? This is so beautiful. 
And so that was the moment where I turned, you know, on that track. And that's when I applied to the Amsterdam Conservatory. And that's how it all sort of started to grow. I, I just put my full focus and attention into music. And so when you were playing with the Cuban band, you were, you were playing drums? Yes. Well, actually, timbales. <laughs> oh, timbales. Okay. Because for some reason, I have this memory of uh, you showing me some picture of you when you were like in a band when you were younger and you were playing the piano. I, is that true? Or is, <laughs> I feel like you're, you're missing out on a really important part of your music education. <laughs> well, I, I, yes, I used to play piano in a reggae band. <laughs> that was like the total beginnings of, of my career. And, you know, I, th- at that time, I already started playing drums, but it was, I was a total, total beginner so I think I couldn't hang in any band back then so I was learning from you know from my older friends and uh, but yeah I think piano was something that had a crucial effect on how I later understood music and the fact that I understood harmony because I think if Mm -hmm. you want to be you know a jazz musician and I'm not specifying any instruments right now I'm thinking general you have to have a good sense of harmony and you have to have a good sense of where the music is going and not only in jazz I think in every kind of music but you have to have a sense of what the form is where the harmony goes and and what's your role in all of this and to understand that you have to develop your ear so I think that this first years when I was studying piano and even if though though it was classical piano you know I was I would study Bach etudes and all of that but that's where my sense of harmony comes from so I think that was very important okay that's interesting that you're saying that because you know I, I've come from like you know I'm a guitar player uh, everybody knows that and I come from this uh, very harmonic I mean it's almost like the you know, we're we're going to talk today about rhythm in a second, which is which is super awesome because you have a lot to talk about that. But that that usually for for my group, my side of things as an instrumentalist, tends to get left out sometimes. But you're you're talking a little bit about uh, drummers and percussionists and how sometimes maybe the harmonic aspect is missing. But that that's super important. So I'm wondering really quickly, just for those who are, are listening right now and going, you know, I, I am a drummer, I am a percussionist. You know what can I what 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 do I need to do to uh, kind of get this better harmonic sense? Uh, well, here ear training is the way to go. Uh, if you don't really have much background in uh, in you know learning to play piano or or such things, then I think you should at least sit at the keyboard once in a while and you know I had this friend uh, a a trumpeter Wayne Tucker and he gave me a very good idea he said I would take very simple songs pop songs basically that would you know be based on three or four chords and that's where I started if you if you have no previous experience like just try to see where the music goes with simple pop so you can you can take uh, you know Stevie Wonder's songs. These are beautiful, and so it's they are inspiring to learn, and they are not very extremely difficult. You know, like the jazz, the harmony, and then when you start to get a little sense of you know where things are going, you can add you know uh, add things up and see how you know more complicated chords sound to you, and and that's how you get the basic sense of of that. 
Gotcha. But so, so yeah, just to reiterate, it's, it's obviously important, you know, if you're on that side of things that you're, that you're getting that harmonic sense coming in. And of course, uh, vice versa, what we're going to talk about soon with, with rhythm, but a little more, I, I want to try to dig again. I think you might've mentioned that you're not sure why you chose drums ultimately, but let me, I just want to ask you, uh, is there something specific about the drums that, uh, I don't know, that just stood out to you, but more than anything else that just made you go, because you said like, oh, you know, when I started, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was touring, I was in Paris and, and I was just like, why, why would I do anything else in my life than do this? You know, what was it about the drums specifically that were just like, yes, I love this. This is what I want to practice like for hours and hours and hours every single day. <laughs> uh, that's great. I mean, I think saying I don't know was not exactly appropriate way of saying what I feel about drums. Like, um, I knew it was about drums when I, exactly, when I discovered what jazz was. And, and there was a very specific okay. show I saw. It was a Polish saxophone player and with American lineup. And I remember Billy Hart was playing drums. And that mm -hmm. specific show changed my entire way of thinking of jazz drums. Actually, about drums just entirely. Like, the, the way, the sound of the drum, but also the way he was playing, it was just such a, you know, like a freeing kind of experience. And so... First of all, the drums was for me a way to to kind of like a, take away things that that I wasn't feeling good about, you know, like all the kinds of angers and frustrations, and you know that was the space where I could just be myself because my nature is very calm. Like I'm a very calm person. I I'm I'm not very assertive. I'm not good at saying no to people, you know. <laughs> so because of that I get I get I feel like sometimes I get pushed around a little bit and I do things that I don't necessarily want to do or I don't know to say, you know, no. And so drums was the way for me to kind of free all that energy that was building up of not saying no, of taking, you know, stuff from people. Like that was a way for me to free myself from all of that and it gave me that kind of, you know, freedom as i mentioned to express myself not not only the anger later on but all all kinds of emotions emotions of love emotions of beauty emotions of you know this and that i think this is what music is about like you know expressing yourself and 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 the skills we learn those are just the skills that will help us you know release whatever we we need yeah that's wow that's i love what you just said i mean that's uh yeah you just basically basically said why music matters at all and why we love doing this so much which it's a way better answer than like why i play the guitar the, the answer for me is like i was just playing rock and like i thought it was cool when i was a kid so i bought a guitar and then i discovered jazz and thought it was so awesome but you know i i only kept playing guitar because that was the only instrument i knew so i mean you're obviously you you connect with the drums so much more than i do the guitar i mean i love the guitar don't get me wrong um anyways i loved your answer that was uh really great thanks so much for i just really appreciate you sharing uh about your story because i, I think that our stories are 
super important, especially when it comes to becoming a better musician, to actually pay attention to that stuff and why you're into the instrument you play and what got you into the music, because that can really influence everything that happens after that and the decisions and the choices that you make. Um, so I want to transition a little bit over to our, our main event today, which is something that, man, it's actually been a long, and I, I feel guilty because it's been a while since we've done an episode um, about time, feel, and rhythm, which hands down have to be some of the most important things in music, and, and especially when it comes to playing jazz. So um, just for a, a, some short answers for me really quick, uh, without too much explanation, what are some of the biggest struggles that you see uh, in musicians when it comes to rhythm and time? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question, and that I think... Uh that has, it, you know, the, the answer lies on many different levels. But, like, the first thing that I see is that, you know, we each have, like, a certain internal clock. So let's say I'm practicing my rudiments and I use metronome. And we all tend to practice with a metronome because, of course, this is where, you know, the outside source is. Like, we all, like, try to, to be there with a metronome. But I think the problem, you know is that then when we play together, we are so like attached to this, okay, I'm right, my internal metronome, I was practicing with the metronome for so long, so I'm right, that we tend not to listen to each other, you know? And I think every amazing band, like the, the amazing part about it is that they listen to themselves. Like if you listen to Afro-Cuban music, they tend to speed up. But nobody says like, oh, um, I'm staying here because actually the quarter note, we started with the quarter note at 100 BBM, so I'm staying here. I'm not going with you guys. Like, no, you will not see this. And every great band, like, they just tend to stay together no matter what. You know, if you listen to the old records, that's what, that's what happens. So I would say... Yes, practice with a metronome, but then when you go on the bandstand or when you go to the rehearsal space, listen to your fellow, you know, musicians that are playing with you and try to work on the time that you have all together. That's awesome. That That's, uh, wow, that's like a better answer than I, I was even thinking in my head that you might say. Um, li- listening, which is hugely important when it comes to playing with other musicians. And I think that's a powerful thing you said, just because, you know, you, you were talking about something I feel like all musicians who, especially like musicians like us who do it professionally have experienced is, is getting on stage with like some, some stubborn band members or even yourself being stubborn about how you think it should go. And, oh, that guy, he's dragging that guy, he's rushing. But when it comes down to it, time, feel and rhythm and all this stuff is, is actually elusive when you're bringing a bunch of, uh, you know, different individuals together. So I, I, I definitely think that's uh, great advice. Now, one thing, let's step back a couple steps, though, uh, a few steps back, because, you know, there's a lot of people in my audience, I get this question all the time, people, you know, email me, and they ask me all kinds of questions. And one question I get all the time is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to play this jazz standard, I'm trying to play with a metronome, I'm, I'm trying to play with a backing track, whatever it may be, or just jam with somebody. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I just, I, I, I can't, I don't feel like I can play in time. Like, I just can't do it. Like, it's, it's tough for them. So for, for people that are there in that situation, what are some things they can do to start building that inner clock, like start training themselves uh, to start feeling that time organically? 
Okay, first one, and it's huge. And I know some people will not like that answer, but you have to dance. You have to dance to the music. <laughs> Love it. Why is, why is dancing so important? That the fact that our body knows to move to a certain rhythm gives it a sense of freedom and a natural kind of flow to itself. And so when, you, when you're playing a solo, even when you play chord notes, it's a, somehow you're moving your fingers as well. So that those are micro movements. And when you're dancing, it's like the whole body is moving. But that's how inside of you there starts to be a certain understanding like this is why you see some you know hip-hop musicians or many kinds of musicians actually that dance at their instruments like sometimes i would look at greg hutchinson you know who is an amazing mm -hmm. and, and, and mentor of mine and great teacher like sometimes i would look at him and he would be playing you know a jazz standard swinging like crazy and then I see him and he's dancing. He's dancing on the chair and like using his all four limbs, you know, to do something else. But he's basically dancing on a chair. Right. So, I mean, if you have that kind of flow in your body, uh, it will help you immensely to like develop a time flow on anything that you're doing later on on your instrument. So just dance. Put a music, put, put an old Ellington, Duke Ellington record, you know, like a big band record. Or count Basie and just walk around your room and just move, you know, move your body. So that would be number one. Number two, singing. Singing the rhythms is huge. And that's what every mm -hmm. Afro-Cuban Cuban, uh, musician, African musician will tell you. And rhythm comes from Africa. So it's good to listen to these people. They know what they're talking about. Yes. They can vocalize any rhythm that they play. And so I think once it goes through your vocals, you know, through your vocal cords, and you start to understand it on a different level, like even if you are not a good singer, just, you know, try to sing it the way you can. You know, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It doesn't have to be the way they do this. You can just find your own version of what of the rhythm or the phrase you're trying to play and sing it to yourself over and over and over again and you'll see that you're going to be able to play it can you give like can you give us a little example of what you're talking about um putting you on the spot here yeah um like even like i sing rhythms for myself if i can't understand the rhythm i'll just do like you know, and I found my way of vocalizing kung for me is a bass drum. Ka mm -hmm. is a drum, like a, like a snare drum, you know. So it's, it's not something that I learned from a specific person. Like I started to go through my, you know, through, through the music I was learning. And I was like, hmm, I don't really understand. And it didn't go. It didn't go right. It didn't go right the, the right way or you know it's like a simple type of paradiddle pattern that i would learn and i first i would go and remember you don't have to even have an instrument to do that so you can right. on a bus and you can be going in your mind 
and move your body to it. And it first of all, it's a trance-like experience in some kind of way, but it also will develop an internal like clock inside of you, you know, an understanding of that rhythm you're trying to sing, you know. Yeah. The, the, oh, wow. I, I'm blown away right now. This is awesome. And, and I think one thing that I'm grabbing from this right now is the two things, uh, the, the first two things that you mentioned, which is dancing and singing. These are things that are, I mean, these are like primal like things. These are things that everybody can do. Like, I mean, this is like, this is built in, this is like built into our, our system here, our bodies is to do this. And I, I remember taking a, a class in college called, uh, African percussion ensemble with uh, Neil Clark. Do you know who Neil Clark is? He's a percussionist. No, 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 never. Okay, yeah, um, he played with. Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting. No, never mind. Uh, mm. I won't try. I won't, I won't go there. Uh, anyways, he he's uh, an excellent percussionist. That's the that's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> anyways, he was talking about how one of, one exercise he had us do one time was simply just while we're walking down the street to just be aware of the rhythm of the person walking in front of you, like the, you know, they're, when they're placing their feet and when they're lifting it up as if that's the downbeat and the offbeats. Of course, he didn't call it that. He called it the on and the before. He had this whole thing because, his, you know, he was really going into the, the deep uh, side of, of what this is all about. And just even the fact that your heartbeat, it's like rhythm is ingrained into our body. Um, so I think these are phenomenal things that you're, that you're talking about. And my audience has heard me talk a lot about ear training. Um, I have an ear training course and how important that is. And I love also how you said, like, you can do this on the train. You can do this on the bus. Uh, you can do any of this stuff while you're on the go. Um, so I think that's really great. Uh, is, there, is there more? Uh, I think those are the, the two main things, but also there was one more exercise that I wanted to share, and that's specifically with the drummers. Uh, okay. And that was the Ralph Peterson's exercise. And he would also make us sing just the rhythms of standards where we were, which we were playing. And I mean, sing is one thing, but mainly uh, play them. So we would have to specifically just play the rhythm of a standard on the snare drum first. Then we would play the same rhythm filling in triplets. So everything would be a triplet and you know the, the note that was actually the in the tart or like part of the melody would be the accented note. Uh, so that's how you know you will build on the understanding of the rhythm of the song. And I think it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. just, so just don't focus on the notes for a minute. Just take it as a rhythm. You know? Like a simple, you know, you don't think of, of standards as being just uh, rhythmic patterns, but the, the truth is they are. And you can, you know, try and play in them in such so many different ways, you know. But once you understand the rhythmic pattern of the tune, that might help you actually understand what's going on when you add the notes. So that's my tip. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So I think you're you're actually starting to 
go into my, my next question I had in mind for you here. So uh, we'll see how you can add on to this. So one thing that my audience also asks me a lot and that they struggle with is getting lost in the middle of a tune. So whether they're playing with other people or they're playing with a backing track or a metronome, doesn't matter, just getting lost and just losing their spot. And I, I, I feel like that kind of relates a lot to time feel and to rhythm feel and all this stuff. Um, I'm wondering what you think that they can do to, uh, if any of the stuff you're already talking about is related to that or, if or, or what they can do to help avoid that from happening. Well, I think here we are dealing with a different problem. It's not really so much a rhythm problem. We are. It's more of a harmonic problem. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, Feel free to elaborate. From, from my experience, whenever I knew the song so good that I would know exactly what the bass player is doing in that moment, like you can't get lost because you'll always catch up on him. Like if you're only thinking of your quarter note and you're counting the bars, losing the bass player and the piano, but especially that sometimes they get lost between each other. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I played many gigs where suddenly I would hear, okay, the, I was with the bass player and the piano player was, a, you know, half of the bar ahead of us or a quarter. And then he would play, <laughs> yeah. you know, one a quarter note before the bass player. So, and then what you do in that moment, like if he doesn't hear that he's lost, then either we have to catch him or sometimes the three of us would be in a different place, you know? So that's a complete mess, but you have to find yourself in it. So I think here, the main thing is the tune so well that you will always, the piano player or with the bass player, or if they are together, which is the ideal situation, you will catch on to them. So two things, like learn the harmony of the tune, but that's a little bit difficult. Melody is the main thing. And just keep singing the melody throughout the tune. So sometimes what I would do, not to get lost, is I would learn the melody so well that when someone would start to play solo, I was humming the melody to myself while he was playing solo. And so that way I would always know, oh, okay, we're going to bridge now. Oh, okay, we're going to A1 mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. And uh, again, Ralph Peterson would tell us, know the bass lines. So he would go as far as learning the bass lines on some of the, you know, standards that he would um, really want to know in depth. So he would go to the records take the, like, you know, a good recording and just learn the bass line because the bass line is where it's at, where the harmony is at. And that way you will always know where you are. <laughs> right. That That's a great tip. Yeah. So not so much rhythm then you're saying it's more of a harmonic thing. Definitely the melody. That's a, and that, if there's one thing, uh, everybody should take from this episode as in regarding to this. That is the key. Know that melody forwards and backwards. Uh, like you said, it's almost, an, it gets tricky to get lost if you really know that melody really well. Uh, so great tip on that. I really appreciate that. Um, now let's move a little bit to talking about improvisation with rhythm. Okay. Because, you know, this is something that especially um, a lot of more beginner or intermediate players uh, that don't play, well, I'm sure percussion percussionists have this struggle too but they they have issues adding rhythmic variety into their improvisation are there some things that they can do to incorporate a little bit more uh, rhythmic variety in there rather than just streams of eighth notes or, or quarter notes yeah absolutely 
that and and the answer is very simple listen to more music and transcribe more music i know it sounds a little bit cliche but unfortunately like we are learning a language it's a jazz language or whatever kind of music you're studying you're learning a language and so when you're going to afro-cuban music you're also learning a language and the only place to learn a language is if you go to the country or if you listen to the TV or if you're listening to podcasts in that language, lessons in that language. So the same thing is with music and we have the recordings. The records are where it's at. So if you want to expand on your you know, rhythm ideas for playing uh, jazz standards, Go to the records and hear what who who is your favorite piano player who does like you know rhythmic interesting you know figures and go and transcribe that and learn it. If you're trying to learn more of Afro-Cuban type of uh, you know just go to the records and actually I would recommend for everyone to listen to Afro-Cuban music and the reason is because there is no other kind of music in the world that's more diverse in terms of rhythm. A lot of what's happening in jazz comes from there. The triplet feel, you know, I feel like it all went from Africa, then to the Caribbean, specifically Cuba, and then it went up New Orleans and, you know, and so on and so forth. So, like I would really recommend it to everyone. Just try and listen, even if you don't understand, just listen to it because it will develop a certain sense and, and more ideas for you. So. so, okay, so if someone has no clue where to start with listening to Afro-Cuban, like could you give some great starting point uh, examples, maybe artists or groups that they should check out? Um, yeah, absolutely. So they should definitely go check out Chucho Valdez. Jojo Valdez is, uh, you know, the Cuban pianist that's just, uh, you know, and, and his uh, father, Bebo Valdez, actually. So that's even, you know, the older uh, generation in terms of, um, you know, where, where that goes. Um, hmm, who else? There is a, a great band called Havana de Primera. It's kind of uh, modern, more modern Cuban music. Uh, but um, who else? Let me think. You can also just type in uh, rumba. Any kind of rumba where you have, um, you know, rumba is specific, not so much about um, mel melody. Of course, melody is involved, but it's all about drums, dance, and singing. So there is nothing else involved. Um, so if you go and, and look for that, that would, that would also be really great. Um, Brazilian music is wonderful for the, for learning rhythms as well. So I would recommend, uh, listening to this artist, Javan, you, you spell it out D J A V A N Javan. And, uh, you know, some of his records, I mean, that's that's where the rhythms come from and and of course the jazz records but i would say start with that 
And and every, everybody listening right now, if you are, uh, we do have a little bit to talk with uh, Bossa Nova. If you go to episode 70, uh, go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 70. We had a great guest, Livio Almeida, on the show to talk about uh, Bossa Nova. You can, there's definitely a little some more resources uh, for that there. Um, so, Dorota, I want to talk a little bit about like what you're doing, because you're doing some really cool stuff. And so... Um, I want to hear a little bit about the workshop that you're doing in Poland. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? All right. The workshop. The workshop is a a very exciting idea. Uh, It's been already two editions. There have been two editions already. And uh, the first one was two summers ago. Uh, So in 2016, the summer of 2016, this year we had another one. The workshop uh, is called New York Jazz Masters. So if you would Google New York Jazz Masters Poland, you will find plenty of information. Our website is www.nyjazzmasters.com. So I, I encourage everyone to to check it out. So what's so original about this, the idea of that specific workshop is that in this part of the world, so like Eastern, Central Europe, is uh, as far as I know, the only workshop where we have the, you know, only American jazz musicians to come and teach. And it's not just any American jazz musicians. We this year we had Aaron Goldberg, Mike Moreno, Matt Panman, Kendrick Scott, um, Judy Nemec on vocals, and Greg Osby on saxophone. Mm-hmm. So wow. it was truly a dream team. And you yeah. know, we have this year actually the, <laughs> the, the 2017 edition took place in a palace. So we literally lived in a palace, all of us, and all the classes took place in that palace as well. So we have ensemble classes, uh, instrumental classes, special topic, listening sessions. We have concerts every day and jam sessions. So it's very much focused on playing. So there is, you know, the ensembles actually have to perform. Each ensemble has to perform in the course of the week. And then there is the final concert on the last day. Uh, and in the meantime, we also go to visit a jazz club in Wrocław, which is the nearest biggest city. And, you know, the scene is for us so we can jam. There's usually also one or two bands that are playing during that, you know, opening uh, concert of the of the night. So it's a really wonderful workshop and we have a lot of resources on our website, on our Facebook page also. So you're very welcome to check our Facebook page. And yeah, we invite everyone to come next year. So, you know, the faculty will be announced very soon for the coming year because, you know, some teachers change. Uh, but we also always have, you know, the best of the best. So, so when is it going to be this next year? It's always uh, the first or second week of uh, August. Okay, awesome. So that gives people plenty of time to uh, apply and uh, check this out. And how how long does it go for? Uh, It goes on for a week. So it's seven full days. So you would come a day before and you would be placed in an ensemble. 
uh, meet your teacher, and then from day one to day seven, you have full classes, you know, full days of classes. Awesome. It's actually intense from 10 to 6 every day, and then in, in the meantime, you have lunch, and then you have, of course, jam sessions every night opened by a band. Right. So this is like a full-fledged jazz workshop with like a killer faculty and you're leading the charge here. This is uh, super awesome. So everybody go to uh, nyjazzmasters.com. You should check this out and really, maybe I should be going to this. (laughs) I might, I might think about going to this drone. I can finally visit Poland and check it out, see what it's all about. That'd be super cool. And, And then as far as like people going to check out you, where can they go check out more and learn more about you? Maybe check out some of your music. Uh, yeah, so my website goes exactly as my name goes, so dorodapiotrowska.com, so I'll spell it out for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have to do it with my name, too. No one can spell my name. <laughs> so it's D-O-R-O-T as a Tom A, and my last name P-I-O-T-R-O-W-S-K-A.com. Awesome. DorotaPietroska.com. Dorota, thanks so much for unloading a ton of really valuable stuff on my audience today. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot today just by listening to you. And that's one of the reasons I love having guests on, uh, especially guests like you. So thanks for being here. And uh, I hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. Yes. I, thank you so much, Brent, for inviting me. I, I really feel honored to be here and to be able to share some of my experiences with with all of you. So I hope it's helpful. I hope you all get to where you want to be. And, you know, um, yeah, think, you know, simple things sometimes can get you very far. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And another special thanks to our guest this week, Dorota Piotrowska. Uh, I learned so much from her, and I'm sure that you did too. And if you want to find any of the links to her stuff, by the way, go to the show notes today. It's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 89. Now, we're going to have plenty of other guests coming up on the show. Uh, Lots more where this came from. So keep listening. Keep tuning in week after week. And as I always say at the end of every single episode, if you got value at today's podcast episode, consider giving value back by simply leaving a rating and a review on iTunes, your favorite podcast listening service. It helps other people find the show. It takes about two minutes of your time. really help us out. So go ahead and do that. Now, next week's episode, in episode 88, actually, an episode ago, I talked about my list process for learning jazz solos. Well, but what happens after that? Do you just move on to the next solo? Do you just move on to something else entirely different? Or is there something else you can do or things you can do to get more out of that time investment that you spent on learning that solo? Well, there certainly is, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on in next week's episode 90. Looking forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. 
I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.